Hello, and welcome to the Shakespeare and Company podcast with me, Adam Biles. If you enjoy this conversation, there are a few different ways you can support us. You can buy a book from our online store, shakespeareandcompany.com, including the title discussed in this episode, a link to which you'll find in the show notes. There, you'll also find our year of reading subscription, as well as Shakespeare and Company totes, apparel, mugs and other gifts, all shipped from Paris to wherever you are in the world. You can also become a friend of Shakespeare and Company, a programme we set up to get the bookshop through this difficult year. Membership gets you access to exclusively produced content throughout 2021, as well as other treats depending on the tier you choose. Contributors so far include Molly Crabapple, Aishan Hutchinson, Olivia Lang, Deborah Levy, Kati Kanair, Clemence Poesy, Natalie Portman and George Saunders. You can find out more on friendsofshakespeareandcompany.com. Finally, you can rate this podcast wherever you listen. And if you have time, leave a review. It can really help spread the word. I'll be back at the end. Until then, thank you for listening and enjoy the Shakespeare and Company podcast. Ever since his debut, HHHH, Laurent Binet has been challenging the way his readers approach and interpret historical events, forcing us to question the strange alchemical substance that's produced in the no man's land where fact and narrative meet. His third novel continues this trend, asking how things could have unraveled differently for the world if certain historical coin tosses from more than five centuries ago had landed tails instead of heads. The result, Civilizations, is one of the most original, entertaining and thought-provoking novels of the year, and I'm delighted to say that Laurent Binet joins us in the bookshop today. Laurent, welcome to the Shakespeare and Company podcast. Thank you. Um, I suppose where I want to begin is um, referring to the last conversation we had when you were with us to talk about the seventh function of language. And one thing that I said, I think, in the introduction to that was that compared to your first novel, HHHH, the seventh function of language almost seemed to be the other side of the the same coin. Like you were doing what you did with HHHH, you were doing almost the complete opposite with the seventh function of language. And in a sense, I thought maybe that was that was it. You were done with your sort of uh, your sort of uh, interrogation of history. And then with civilizations, you come along, and I suddenly started thinking maybe this coin has three faces or <laughs> four faces or all of these different sort of. Um, yeah, these different ways of um, of looking at history. There seems to be an almost sort of endless uh, supply of them. Um, now, to give our listeners a little bit of context, so in the introduction, I mentioned if things had been different 500 years ago. And I suppose one of the ways in which things might have been different in this novel is if Columbus had not made his way back from the United States or from the Americas, as they were at the time. Um, was that the the founding idea of this book, or was there another idea that led to to civilizations? Well, actually, um, I don't remember Columbus was the the starting point. Um, um, the, the as far as I remember, the the really I started with a sentence I read in a book uh, of Jared Diamond. Mm-hmm. who worked on various civilizations and uh, why some of them were destroyed or mm-hmm. defeated. And uh, 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 what he said about the Incas was, um, I almost, uh, uh, th- this is almost the, 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 the exact quotation, um, why, why, it is, why, why is it that uh, Pizarro came to uh, to to catch 
to, to, to make Atahualpa prisoner mm -hmm. and not Atahualpa came to Spain uh, capturing, um, uh, making Charles V prisoner. So that was really the starting point. Everything started with Incas because <coughs> I just came back from a, from a journey uh, in Pe uh, to, to Peru. Mm -hmm. You know, I was invited to some book fair in, in Lima. So I got interested by those pre-Columbus people and th their cultures, and also uh, I was uh, I got interested by the, the the process of the conquest, mm -hmm. and which was very uh, I, I I did know almost nothing about it, and it was really uh, amazing how how they they, con they, they conquered. Um, uh, Twice a whole empire, a whole world with uh, 200 people. And I was fascinated by, by, by that story, the mm -hmm. story of the conquest, you know. And uh, after I read the, the Giant Diamond uh, book, uh, I was wondering uh, about the what if, you know. Uh, 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 and uh, the, 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 I, was, I was driven uh, by the idea of the possibility, you know, mm -hmm. uh, um, could it uh, have been possible? Mm -hmm. And so that was like <coughs> the lead I followed. Okay, so Cortés, Pizarro, they did that, they did that. Was it possible to transfer uh, the, 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 um, the, the, their strategy, the, how they did it? Um, and so that was the, the, that was the, the starting point. But uh, I also wanted to, to build something plausible. Mm -hmm. And so I, I couldn't start right. I didn't want, I could maybe, but I didn't want to start right with the Incas landing in, uh, in Spain or sure. Portugal, you know. So, um, so I started to, to, to climb the hill of the causality, you mm -hmm. know, the, the, the causes. And uh, of course... Uh, the cent center point was Columbus, uh -huh. you know. But before that, so the, the co co in a way, uh, Columbus, it was quite simple to mm -hmm. to 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 to, <laughs> to 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 write the chapter, you know, the same as the real history. He comes to Cuba and Haiti, mm -hmm. but he doesn't. He he never comes back, yeah, yeah. you know. But I needed I needed to explain that. Mm -hmm. That's why that's why I thought about the Vikings. And so the the, you know, in the in the what if in the counterfactual uh, mm -hmm. in the uh, alternate history, the, the, there there is there is what you call a um, um, switching point, or, uh -huh. uh, you know. And so the the, the um, Columbus was uh, had to be the switching point, mm -hmm. but not the original cause, you know. So sure. that's why I had to come back to the Vikings to mm -hmm. explain why Columbus uh, wouldn't face the the, the poor, uh, um, uh, armless, uh, le, le, uh, the, the, the poor weak Indians mm -hmm. he met, uh, the Tainos in Cuba, but uh, strong. Uh, strong, uh, strong Indians with weapons mm -hmm. and uh, uh, ready to, to face him and to, 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 to fight him and to, to defeat yeah. him. One thing that really comes across in those early chapters, um, and I think this is probably feeds into the, um, the, the Jared Diamond thing about sort of why this and not that, is the sort of the contingency of history in a way. It's sort of because... It was not certain that, for example, Columbus would make it back to Europe. Being an explorer, a you know, sort of, uh, 
in the fifteenth um, century was an incredibly dangerous thing to to do. It was completely plausible that some little thing might have been different, and yeah, Columbus uh, Columbus wouldn't have made it back, and then the whole of history would potentially have been different. Was that a sort of a feeling that you had in researching and writing your previous two books as well? Did you get that sort of sense that there was a the history as we know it is so fragile in a way? Yes, well, it was not that clear in my mind at that time, but I think I always had, uh, had that feeling that mm -hmm. the what you said about the coin, you know, mm -hmm. like uh, uh, I always believe that there are big uh, structural uh, moves in history you know and it's just not i, I don't believe few men mm -hmm. made uh, history but still uh I, i always thought about it you know what if hitler was killed in 39 or 36 mm -hmm. or uh, because he had uh, uh, he escaped a huge amount of uh, assassination attempts yeah, you know sure. and um Nazism uh, was not only Hitler, but still, without Hitler, it wouldn't yeah, be the yeah, same yeah, story, yeah. I think. So I was always um, divided between those two ideas that mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the history is a, it's some big machine, you know, uh -huh. a big moving machine, but with uh, key points, you know, yeah, key, yeah, key, yeah. Yeah, uh, key stages, you know. So... Uh, And the more I worked on civilizations, the more I was convinced that, yes, it definitely this story could have turned differently in so many ways. You know, I mean, like uh, the, the Chinese could have discovered America before the, uh, Europe and it would have been so another story, you know, but completely different. And um, about the Spanish, like if... Yeah, my idea for my book was if Columbus failed, that would have given to the Indians few years, maybe few decades before Spanish, the, the, the Europe, the, this, you know, they, they would have believed that, okay, the, the West, the, the way to the West <laughs> is not <laughs> that promising, you know. Sure. Uh, but uh, for instance, like Cortes and Pizarro, They were incredibly lucky, you know, uh, to achieve what they what they did. But you can imagine that if they failed, some others mm. would follow, and they would so so it, it wouldn't have been such a big change, you know. So it's it's not either the the, the, the it's either it's written this way and nothing can change it, or or it's pure con contingen uh, contingency con yeah, contingency. Yeah. But what, what maybe uh, with that way of thinking, what I like the most uh, following the, the Jared Diamond theory uh, is about the germs, you know, mm -hmm. like the, because um, ultimately the, the, the germs killed, uh, wiped out uh, 50, uh, 90% of yeah. all the uh, Indians of America, you know. And uh, the... the His explanation is that we had more germs and more uh, antibodies mm -hmm. because we European, I mean, we, we were used to to um, to manage the, the 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 animals of the farm. Mm. Uh, the, 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 we had the cows, the pigs, the porks, yeah. and the, the, the pigs, and the, 
and um, and the, the Indians they didn't you know they had llamas and things like that but they, they, they didn't have the, those domestic animals yeah, domestic yeah, yeah. and so the, the conclusion of all that is that big part of the, mm-hmm. the world history was shaped just because you, Europeans mm-hmm. they had they had pigs and not uh, Indians you know so this is <laughs> this is funny to think this way you know like it's not it's not about like the the one civilization was better or bigger or stronger than the other but this is pure contingency you know pigs were in Europe and not it's, not in America <laughs> it's also sort of it must be incredibly sort of um, vertiginous I think for a novelist to have to sort of identify <laughs> these points and to try and understand them because, you know, we could say, okay, well, it's because in Europe we have the pigs, but then why did we have the pigs? What were the historical yeah, contingencies that brought that? Yeah, yeah. And, it's sort of, and that's interesting when you say that you went back, you were thinking of Columbus and then you were thinking, okay, but then I need to go back to the, the Vikings as well. And Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's an endless process uh, in both ways, you know, mm. uh, um, coming back to the past but also projecting to the future, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and uh, many readers, they told me, well, you, you stopped like at the end of the 16th century with Cervantes stepping in, yeah. uh, in Cuba, in America, but you could, you could continue the, the story. Yeah. And of course, I mean, this is what, what's funny with, uh, with the uh, Ukrainians, uh, with the uh, counterfactual uh, narratives that, that you can, <laughs> you, you can con- continue it uh, endlessly, you know, yeah, infinitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. And so it, even, you know, I mean, you can, you, you can continue the story uh, to our present time, but mm. also uh, beyond, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> the, the 22nd century and so on. <laughs> So that's, yeah, that, that's, that's a vertige, you're, you're right, yeah. And, and I'd like to come back to the thing you were talking about, about the sort of whether it's the sort of the, the forces of history or whether it's the kind of the great man theory. Um, and, and that was one thing that kept coming to me as I was reading the book. And I, I felt that sort of you didn't seem interested in resolving the question in a way. It was more just sort of just showing this this tension because, of course, there are what we might call cameos from certain, you know, great men. You mentioned Pizarro, who makes an appearance, but not in the historical context that we know him. Uh, Niccolo Machiavelli is in there. Um, obviously, Thomas More, Erasmus, Luther, Lorenzo de Medici. Um, but they're sort of, these are people who, in both histories, you know, whether it be the real history, and I'm putting that in in inverted commas, or the counterfactual history that you're presenting, there are still these kind of, these great minds and these great figures. And so it felt to me that you were sort of, yeah, you you were (coughs) trying to sort of, to to navigate the, between those two theories in a way. Yes, you're right. Uh, Well, first of all, I mean, once I decided to write a novel, I need characters, you know, so I can't, I can't avoid uh, characters, you know, I mean, uh, men and women. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're right. I, um, I don't, I don't answer that question, mm-hmm. but I mean, um, in France, we, we speak about the l'homme providentiel, provid, providential, the, the providentiel. Yeah, the kind of the, the man of destiny, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which I don't believe. Mm-hmm. But I believe that, I mean, I believe, I can see that at some point, there is some people, they are 
the right man mm-hmm. in the right place mm-hmm. you know so it's uh, it's um it's a coincidence of uh, several uh, factors mm-hmm. you know like which make that in that in that particular uh, situation mm-hmm. martin luther has a huge uh, role in european history yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and and of course i mean uh, in in a different situation he would have been just uh, <laughs> an unknown priest or sure, something yeah. like that so this is actually i am fascinated by um, by the, the the chance and luck mm-hmm. you know like uh, the all those all those guys Um, the, 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 those guys, those guys who had uh, an important role in history, mm-hmm. they had uh, prominent qualities, you know, to to to, to uh, uh, for the worst or the best. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, uh, to, to 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 make what, what what they made. But the 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 first thing uh, Pizarro and Cortes had was luck. Uh-huh. I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm convinced of, of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So luck, luck has a huge importance in history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And I think um, you put me in mind actually of Machiavelli because I think that's when when he writes about luck. Um, it's sort of this thing of it's not just it, it's not just uh, you know having things arrive luckily in your life, but it's also having the capacity to put that luck to your. Yes, yeah, so well. this is the what what the what we call the Kairos, you know. Mm, sure. But I remember in the Prince uh, of Machiavelli, his uh, his model is uh, Cesare Borgia, yeah. you know, and the man who had all the qualities, you know, uh, to, to to make a great uh, politician, mm. you know, to make a great uh, to make a great uh, man, but fortune he didn't have, uh-huh. you know. And uh, and that's why he, he died at 32, I think. And yeah, but yeah. Uh, for Machiavelli, he was really he had all the qualities to to to, to make the the ideal prince. Mm-hmm. You know, just the fortune uh, the, he lacked. He yeah. he had a lack of fortune. So in the book, we find, um, and I, I'm trying not to give too much away, but we've already talked about it. And I think I think it's no secret uh, <laughs> to say that sort of so the Incas make their way over to to Europe. Now, one of the ways they're able to do that, in a way, is by kind of repurposing European technology as well, I think, because the sort of the uh, the ships left behind by the um, by the Vikings, by Columbus, was sort of gave the inspiration and perhaps the knowledge and the sort of the technological <laughs> know-how for the Incas to to make the trip over to Europe and to begin colonizing Europe. As they, as they do in your novel. And I'm really curious about that idea of sort of uh, cultural exchange in a way, because there's sort of, there are clearly uh, things that sort of, uh, for different historical reasons, that the Europeans have developed that the Incas hadn't. And as the book develops, we see certain things that the Incas did, particularly, I think, concerning uh, sort of uh, agriculture and political ideas that the Europeans didn't have. And I'd just like you to talk a little bit about the sort of the creative process of sort of, I guess, of meshing the two cultures in your work. Yes, well, um, this was really, I mean, uh, like, um, like I, I was just facing problems every time, you know. <laughs> the, those people, they, 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 uh, they lack that. How can I 
help them mm -hmm. to 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 make the balance equal you know so um so i had the the, the pro i had the problem f with the with the ships mm -hmm. with uh with the weapons with the with the horses mm -hmm. you know Uh, so I had to bring them what, what they what they missed, you know. And but also, I had to I, I studied uh, Inca's culture, you know, and uh, I was wondering what what can they use in their own own culture as a, as an asset mm -hmm. as, as a weapon, you know. And um, and uh, what interested me the most actually was not about technology, but. Uh, um, Uh, economy, you know, economics and and social system, which, which uh, the the Incas uh, Incas uh, social system was very, uh, I mean, uh, astonishing and very avant-garde. Mm -hmm. In fact, you know, they had a kind of social security. They had, uh, they, they, and also this is technology agriculture. You're right, you're right, of course, but <laughs> they had things that uh, some people in Europe were. Asking, you mm -hmm. know, like the 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 German peasant uh, peasants or far peasants farmers, you know, they were asking for for uh, a better model mm -hmm. which would uh, not make them starving, and so so uh, I, I was uh, always thinking thinking as a, you know like the the strategy to to the, of Cortes and mm -hmm. Pizarro and Cortes what he did he made enemies of the Aztecs. Uh, his friends, his allies, you know, and so I thought, okay, so if um, if Incas they bring a better model for some part of the European people, mm -hmm. then it would it would it would help them to find allies, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was that was a very um, uh, stimulating uh, mind game. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Did you um, did you approach it with a a sort of a political eye? I'm just thinking because um, obviously with a lot of counterfactuals, uh, there is often politics behind it. So people would sort of, you know, if what would have happened if, yeah, if Hitler had been assassinated at this time, what would have happened if, I don't know, the, uh, you know, the communism had taken, Soviet Union had taken root in Europe. And, and I think often people use the counterfactual as a, as a way to sort of to explore different political possibilities. And it's definitely the case in um, in civilizations that, yeah, you show us the sort of, as you've just talked about, the Incas, say, social system taking root in Europe. But was that, would you say that you had a sort, a sort of political agenda, might be speaking a bit strongly, but something that you perhaps saw in the Inca society well, that was in some yeah, way yeah. superior to, to Europe? Actually, I didn't, uh, I didn't at the beginning, mm. you know, at the beginning, it was just like, uh, it was really like a game, you know, sure. like, and uh, I thought, well, it's funny to, to give uh, the, the, the losers to give, to give a revenge, you yeah. know, <laughs> but then the more and more I studied European, uh, Europe in the 16th century, Uh, Incas, uh, uh, Incas culture, and uh, and so on. Politics came, mm -hmm. uh, no matter what, yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, what I didn't anticipate, for example, you know, I I had um, I was not a, a big uh, uh, specialist of the 16th century, mm -hmm. but I knew about the the, the religious wars, uh -huh. and you know the the. the, the Uh, Protestant, Catholics, the, the, everything, but I didn't think that 
At the same time, there was something very important in Europe. It was the beginning of capitalism, ah, you know, and I didn't ant anticipate that, but studying the, the, that, that time, I, I could see the importance, mm. uh, growing importance of the bankers, you know, and I didn't know that character, the, the German banker, uh, Fugger, yeah. the, 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 the father, the, the, the family, you know, mm -hmm. the, the banker's family in Germany. And uh, that, that, that man, Fugger, he made, he made the election of Charles V, you mm -hmm. know, against Francis the, the, Francis the first. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yes, I mean, it was, uh, I realized that capitalism, the, the capitalism is born, I, I would say maybe in Italy in the 15th uh, mm -hmm. century, but it's really, it's, um, uh, his roots, uh, maybe his roots are in Italy, but It, it starts to develop really in the 16th century with uh -huh. Germany and Holland. And, and so that was very, then the situation became uh, even more interesting because at the time the capitalism should develop, those, my Incas, <laughs> come to Europe with a kind of socialism, social, socialist system, you uh -huh. know, not, not only the social, uh, Um, the social security, or I mean, I, I know I, I shouldn't call it that, that way, but to make it simple, sure. let's say social security, <laughs> but also with a, a complete different idea of economy because mm -hmm. they had a very, very centralized and planified economy, mm -hmm. you know, which sounds like uh, the, 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 what they did in the socialist countries, you sure. know, which didn't work very well, actually. <laughs> but <laughs> you could... Then you could imagine that if uh, at the time the capitalism starts growing, it was just uh, uh, cut really like uh, like uh, born dead mm -hmm. in a way because Incas overwhelm uh, everybody and uh, bring their their own system. Then our present world would be completely yeah. different, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? And that's because, yes, from one global, uh, globalization to another, then if, if that first globalization would have been so different, then our globalization yeah, yeah, yeah. would have been so... I mean, you can't... I can't imagine, actually. It's such an interesting way to look at it because I think one of the ways that sort of capitalism, particularly in the last 30 or 40 years, has become so entrenched in our systems is they we'll often speak of it as a historical inevitability. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like it's something which is natural to humans. Yeah. And, but in fact, it's perhaps something which is natural to a certain European mindset um, because of the way, again, the contingencies of history. But it's fascinating to think that if, yeah, there had been this sustained contact with another culture, which, as you say, organized things so fundamentally differently that... There was, there was no, again, there was no inevitability that this, no, this yeah. system would, yeah, would win yeah. out. Yeah, sure. I mean, the, 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 um, I know some French historians, they work, they, they work on the, the history of possible, what mm -hmm. is possible. So about alternate history. And they are, they, they are very, um, uh, their idea is like a large part of historiography of how we, we teach history is to make it, um, uh, to naturalize it, mm -hmm. you know, to, to mm -hmm. make it natural, you know. And uh, if, you, if, you, if you study seriously uh, history, nothing was natural. <laughs> so, and, and the, 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 every time, I think that the balance goes uh, on one way or another, mm -hmm. 
because of the winners, you of know, I mean, yeah. the, the winner, the winner takes it all. So, um, so this, <laughs> this is an important question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who is the winner? <laughs> because, yeah, yeah. because he will shape the world and he will write mm -hmm. the, the, the history of, uh, of the world. I think that's one of the things that works so well about your novel, actually, is that when I was reading it, there were moments when I almost forgot I was reading a counterfactual history because the sort of the, the tone of it is, uh, I mean, there are some moments where it's like the journals of Columbus, but other times it's written very much like a, a sort of a, a traditional history book, we might say, and a sort of traditional narrative history book. And I think that's a sort of a, a really sort of unsettling trick you play on the reader in a way. It's that you sort of, you read, I don't know, a 20, 30 page stretch, and then you're like, Hang on, but no, this is all <laughs> this is all invention. But then it does send us back to a question: the way that we then look at the history, which, as you say, has been naturalized for us, and it sort of and it undermines that, and maybe makes us look a little bit wider for 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 an understanding of what perhaps really happened. Yeah, sure. I mean, you're right. I'm, I mean, all the book is uh, is about uh, a trick. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, the the whole book is is a trick, and. Uh, I wanted it to be uh, first plausible mm -hmm. and also immersive yeah. to, to create uh, what you say, I mean, which is the, the best compliment I, I can hear about the book, like uh, when you forget. Uh -huh. <laughs> but also, I mean, you know, like uh, I always wanted actually with the, the, my previous novels also to play with the, to play with the suspension of mm -hmm. disbelief. You sure. know? So I want you to be emerged, but from time to time, I want you to wake up and mm -hmm. to, to remember, to, to, to be a conscious reader, you yeah, know, like, yeah. okay, well, the, the, what I read is not true. What I read is a game, you know, I just, I, I don't want to convert you to any, uh, <laughs> to any uh, <laughs> other story. You know, I mean, I don't, uh, the, the, I, I, I have that question. Um, I had that question several times, you know, what's the difference between uh, your story, your narrative and uh, fake news, for instance. Uh, and the, the, okay. the main difference is uh, I expose my, my trick, you know, mm -hmm. like, uh, so I play with it, you know, and sometimes I want you to forget, but sometimes I want you, uh, I want you to remember, you know, yeah, and I yeah. want to remind you. And that's why uh, there, there, are, um, there, there are many... Um, uh, games like uh, Un Clin I don't know how you say uh, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult to translate. It's kind of little um, little winks, I guess. Or private joke for yeah. contemporary uh, reader, you yeah. know, like... Uh, Easter eggs, we could say. Easter eggs, yeah. yeah. Th things like that, you know, like to, to, uh, to remind you that this is all a game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's such an interesting question, like what's the difference between this book and fake news? It's sort of, you could, surely a question you could ask about any novel, <laughs> I think, in a way. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I would say this is the main difference between a, a novel, between a, a fiction novel, and for instance, a holy book, you know, mm. the, the Bible, or yeah, the, yeah. like uh, the one, uh, uh, one claims. Uh, it is the truth, mm -hmm. and the other one doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the main difference. It's <laughs> as simple as that, I think. You know? Which brings us nicely onto another subject <coughs> I wanted to talk about, which was religion. I mean, you mentioned the um, the religious wars, um, and the uh, of course the Incas come to to Europe and they bring their their religious beliefs with them, and it's a very sort of uh, heliocentric, uh, sun worshiping religion. It which 
it's it's interesting because in certain ways, like I, I've heard that when uh, the Christians first had contact with the Inca religion, there were certain sort of overlaps and certain parallels between the religions that, to an extent, people wondered if the Inca religion in a very Eurocentric way, could be a corruption of, you know, a lost tribe of wandering Christians. But again, I think in a similar way with the the sort of the socialistic politics, one of the things that is really sort of enlightening about the novel is seeing the uh, Judeo-Christian heritage from completely exterior eyes, in a way. So, you know, the way uh, you refer to... Uh, Jesus as the nailed God, for example. Suddenly, it's a kind of terminology which we are very used to using about South American religions or, or religions which are unfamiliar to us. And suddenly seeing religions which our, our society sort of raised us with couched in those kind of terms and those kind of vocabulary, again, it's that kind of trick of making you look at things differently. Yes, I think, well, this is uh, always a very stimulating way to... to um to change the perspective, you mm-hmm. know, of uh, what, what you see every day as obvious or what, what you are so familiar to, to, to make you look with a, with a foreign eye, you know. Mm-hmm. And this is what did, uh, of course, my models were Montaigne, he did it, you know, with, uh, in the, his essays and Montesquieu uh, with his uh, Lettre Persane. And, uh, yeah, I think this is always... Um, good almost healthy for your mind you know mm-hmm. like to 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 watch uh what you're surrounded with a different perspective you know mm-hmm. and so it's it's um i think it's stimulating i think it's uh mm-hmm. uh, uh um, stimulating for thoughts you know mm-hmm. but also i mean for the for, for the novelist point of view it's always funny, yeah. you know, <laughs> because, and especially with religions, because my belief, my belief is every religion looked from outside is always funny, uh-huh. you know, like, I mean, very strange and very, you know, all, all those, those rituals and the, those, uh, um, so, so I, I thought it had a um, comical potential. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of the things that, um, if we're talking about a sort of specific uh, difference, sort of geographical difference or perhaps geological difference um, that we never really had to encounter with in the history that we lived, is the imbalance between gold supplies between Europe and South America. And obviously in sort of European culture, the rarity of gold meant that it was something which was fetishized and which took on value. And in the Inca societies, it was not not so. It was it was it was a fetishized. It was there was such an abundance of it that it was uh, was something which sort of yeah wasn't given wasn't held up in quite the same way uh, as in as in European societies. And you have a lot of fun with that in a novel because of course that gives you a very kind of tangible way that this small group of Incas of two hundred people can essentially sort of take root in in Europe is that they have access to an almost yeah. unlimited supply of gold. Yeah, that was uh, what I told you about, you know, the advantage. I mean, the, the, 
advantage you can just uh, um, use just by luck, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that would be a huge advantage, of course, that they had gold and silver, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, that would uh, that would have that would make that would help, I, I believe, to make to make that scenario mm -hmm. credible, you know, because. Uh, uh, in Europe, if you have the, uh, because you could see it with uh, the, the German banker Fouquet. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the gold is the the the, the, the nerve of the war. Uh, mm -hmm. What is uh, how? Comme on dit en français, how we say in French, the, the yeah. nerve. I mean, this is the the, the lethal weapon, you know. Of And course. so, if Inca Incas they had that, that weapon, that that massive weapon. I mean, they're, they're so. so Um, so of course, I mean they are just 200. They had uh, all a continent to conquer, conquer. But once <coughs> you get that that uh, such a huge advantage, mm -hmm. then your chances are in your chances are increasing to to uh, to succeed. Of course, yeah, yeah. you know. So yeah, well, I mean, I was always, you know, it's like um, I was always searching. Things like that, you know. Mm. Okay, so uh, what is important? Gold is important. Do they have gold? Yes, a lot. Okay, so that's interesting. Yeah, so yeah. I was digging, of course, this lead. As also, you, you spoke about religion, like this uh, religion of the sun, you know. Uh, they, they, they bring the religion of the sun, which is, well, another religion, not better, not worse than other religions. But they come in America, in uh, Europe, right at the time, When Copernic, Copernicus, Copernicus yeah. just explained to the whole Europe that the sun is in the center of universe and not the, the and not the, the earth. Yeah. And so I thought, well, this is the same kind. Again, I was thinking about you know Cortes Pizarro, and I thought this is I can make the parallel. You know, when Cortes came to to, Me to Mexico, uh, the the Aztecs they believed he was a god the, the, mm -hmm. because. They were waiting for from a god from the sea with a feather in his uh, the, 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 the the serpent à plume, you know the oh, yeah, the, 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 the plume serpent, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so he had feathers in on his uh, helmet, yeah. and he looked very strange. So they believed <laughs> he was the god, you know. But so and so it was a psychological advantage mm -hmm. he he had, you know. But so I thought, well, that religion of the sun. Uh, at the time, Copernicus explained that the sun is uh, in the center of universe. Would uh, could be the, the same kind of you know advantage, like cultural and uh, psychological advantage. Yeah, so, yeah. so yeah, I was as I told you, I was just uh, tracking. I mean, searching for things like gold, mm -hmm. religion, uh, sun, religion, and so. And I was always. Uh, happy when I thought, okay, this could be, this could fit, you know, yeah, it was always yeah, yeah. Uh, about some, yes, like that, that it, it could match. So mm. let's go, let's go this way and uh, let's see what, what happens. Earlier on, when we were talking about the, um, the kind of the great man theory of history, uh, you said, you know, oh, I needed characters. Um, and obviously there are characters that we meet, like there's a really uh, wonderful exchange between uh, Thomas More and Erasmus uh, about halfway through the book. Um, now, of course, on the European side, you had access to, you know, writings, to journals, to a certain kind of inherited knowledge where you were able to, to get to know these characters. But I'm curious because the characters of the Incas um, are so vivid in the book. Uh, I'm curious about how you got yourself sort of into the mind of, of your, your, your Inca characters. 
Well, uh, th thank you if you um, if you liked my Incas characters, but uh, I have to say it was it was complicated because, mm -hmm. uh, of course, I mean as you said, uh, the, the the archives <laughs> are not the same. Uh, I had to um, I had to build them in a way with very few materials, sure. you know, but still. Uh, it, it was not non-existent, mm -hmm. uh, non-existent non material, you know. And so I had with, like for instance, uh, th there was a, there was a man Garcilaso de la Vega, Inca Garcilaso de la Vega. He was half uh, half Spaniard, half Inca. Mm -hmm. you know, his mother was an Inca Inca princess, and he 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 grew in Spain, but he wrote. Uh, a very important amount about Inca's culture, mm. you know. So I, I had ve and and uh, which he knew, you know, because it was his family. He yeah. knew his mother, and so it was very very precious. But also the conquistador themselves, you know, they met at Atahualpa, for yeah. instance, and they, they they didn't say much, but still they they, they, they said about him like mm. he was he was. Um, 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 He was funny. He was uh, very imperial, you know. I mean, very uh, uh, um, IT like. Uh, um, sort of pompous. He, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he had some kind of majesty, uh -huh. you know. But also, he was funny. Uh -huh. He enjoyed to learn how to play chess. He mm -hmm. made jokes, and so that, that was very precious to, to uh, uh, and and very very calm, very mm -hmm. calm, you know. When the, the first time they came with their horses. All the Incas, they were in panic, you know, panicking, but not him, uh -huh. you know, not him. And the, and the story said that all who showed uh, panic, he executed them, right. you know. <laughs> so he was also cruel, uh -huh. you know, and um, things like that. And for instance, like I remember f few information, uh, f few, few lines I read by uh, some conquistador. He had a, an amazing coat made with... Um, Bat, bat skins, mm -hmm. uh, bat, bat skin, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, like, and they were uh, really, uh, the sp and they asked him, uh, how, how, how did you make it, you know, and, and he said, those were those those dogs uh, from uh, I don't remember which part of uh, of his empire uh. who made it for me, for, uh, for my father, uh. and because it was a, a tribe. Who uh, betrayed him and they, and they killed them all, you know, okay. and and that you know that um, that despise, you know, mm. like the, those dogs who made it for my father, you know. I thought, okay, so this I, I had this reaction, this this anecdote mm -hmm. in mind about the coat and what he said about those who made the coat, and uh, with that 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 few material, I had them to to make him. Uh, To make him go his way, you know, yeah, but yeah. Uh, but so I was really I had f some foundations in my mind, you know, mm -hmm. like uh, because that anecdote I think it's very very little but very uh, significant, you know. I mean, it it tells a lot about uh, about his country, about himself, about yeah. about his situation. So that was that was a challenge you know mm -hmm. that was a challenge you know i mean either i had too much information about european characters or <laughs> uh, too, too little <laughs> like, yeah. so uh, le, le, everything was uh, well, the problem actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> problems to solve but this is what i enjoyed i mean this uh -huh. is what my challenge 
what was my challenge from the beginning, you know? In a way, you said like uh, the Incas, they didn't really leave um, sort of archives in a way. And of course, the sort of the writing and particularly messaging system wasn't the wasn't the same. And one thing uh, that, again, I guess this was probably a challenge. And one thing you have to kind of engage with in the book is like how they transmit messages and the the system of uh, it's the kipo the kipos yeah which is essentially kipos. sort of if I'm right to think it's like strings with knots exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 and, and there are a few moments where you you give us the messages essentially sort of translated from kipos the atahualpa yeah, uh, yeah. sent back to, uh, to 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 his brother and um, and also you show us the Inca's fascination with. Uh, with writing and the sort of the the power of, of words on the page and the power of sort of uh, this system developed in Europe. Yeah, well, because I mean, uh, obviously the, the the writing system they didn't have. They, they had that different system, which is still not very clear mm-hmm. about coding uh, uh, code messages. You know, like the kipus. But they didn't have uh, such thing that, like the, the books with the, mm-hmm. with the, the alphabet and. Uh, and uh, the, I, 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 but this I didn't I, I didn't make up the, the some of them I, I I'm not sure they are Incas or maybe uh, Aztecs but they they, they they really called it uh, the les feuilles qui parlent mm, the the, the leaves uh, the talking leaves you know yeah, yeah, the yeah. talking leaves and which I thought it was it was nice and it showed the the. I mean, yeah, it showed how strange uh, it it had to be uh, for, for for them. And uh, well, um, I mean, it's obvious. Like some people, they they, they discussed about my book about yes, but uh, uh, eventually, uh, who, who is the best? You know, Incas <laughs> and uh, Europe, and and I really didn't think uh, that way. You know, sure. and uh, I didn't want to, to make Incas better mm-hmm. than what they are, or, or better or worse. You know, but but. There were there were some facts, and one fact one fact is they did they didn't have such a sophisticated uh, way of writing. They uh-huh. had their, they had their kipus, uh, but uh, but for, well, they, they missed they missed uh, the, the iron, they missed uh, horses, and they also missed uh, writing. Yeah, 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 that's one of the things. Like I, I mean, I don't mean to sort of uh, to sort of denigrate the people who ask that question, but the, I think. In a sense, if you had sort of, if the book was about proving or demonstrating that either the Incas were better than the Europeans or the Europeans better than the Incas, it would have been a fundamentally much less interesting book. I think there's a kind of the the exercise which you're you're engaged in, which is the sort of, you know, taking one or two facts, one or two events happening differently, and just seeing how things could feasibly unravel without a kind of a value judgment allows kind of the reader i think to to ask questions and to uh, and to sort of project themselves into into the sort of consideration of the two cultures in a way that sort of if you had an agenda of the incas are better than europeans or the europeans are better than the incas wouldn't have yes yeah, so well, well, yeah i think anyway you know i mean the the um... If you want to prove something, you don't write a novel because sure. I mean it's not the right tool for that. You know, I mean, uh, uh, um, so it it wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Then I mean, of course, I mean there are some. Then I have my own taste, uh, mm. you know, and uh, there are some characters I like more than sure. others. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be all the Incas or all the your and. 
anyway, it's, yeah, it's complicated because, I mean, for instance, um, in my previous book, The Seven Function of Language, you know, uh, you, you remember, I, I started to change also uh, events yeah. and uh, sometimes uh, I killed some people who was not <laughs> dead at all at that time, you know, and people be believe that uh, if I kill them, it means I don't like them, yeah, but yeah, not yeah. at all. I mean, I killed them because uh, in the narrative, I had to kill them at that yeah, time, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I have to say, for instance, um, I like Atahualpa mm -hmm. and I, li I like the, the Inca's characters. But I also like Charles V. I mean, mm -hmm. I think he's a very interesting uh, character, you know. And uh, and I have to say, I didn't like much uh, Martin Luther, ah. and and <laughs> uh, and uh, he doesn't end very well in the book. <laughs> but it was not because I didn't like him. Ah. It was just because it was. Uh, I, I thought it was a spectacular mm -hmm. switch uh, compared to the real history, you know. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I was not driven by uh, by that kind of thoughts, but yeah, like uh, demonstration. I didn't uh -huh. want to demonstrate. Uh, maybe I mean the only thing I wanted to demonstrate is that few thing, few few change could have uh, that his history is not destined. Uh -huh. Histo history is not. Yeah, is is not is not. Um, yeah, uh, that that it could have another way yeah, yeah which is a very sort of uh i think particularly for europeans i think should be a very kind of humbling yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, <approach>. yeah. <laughs> there are so many sort of um we used to term easter eggs earlier but um so many sort of uh moments sort of fun moments in the book where we see how things could have been slightly differently and like we won't have time to to sort of talk about all of them but one of the things that i really enjoyed reading and I, I got a sense maybe I'm wrong but I get the feeling that you really enjoyed imagining and writing was that the effect it would have on European art so we have particularly there's one where you describe a Titian painting and you also uh, describe some of Michelangelo's work as well and there was something I don't know really evocative about that actually like sort of knowing the work of these artists a little bit and just sort of going along with your description and sort of accepting that they could have produced these these paintings uh, you describe. I say it was a really sort of a visual experience as a reader as well. Am I right in thinking that was something that you, uh, one particular thing that you really enjoyed? Uh, yeah, yeah, well, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's all about, I mean, for those kind of books, I think it's very important to make it visual, you mm -hmm. know. And so the, the painters, I mean, it was also the, it was the time of uh, the, the Protestantism. It was mm -hmm. the time of the growing capitalism, but it was also the time of Renaissance and the, yes. the, 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 all the, those marvels of art, you know, sculptures and painting. And so, and also, I mean, it, it happens that those painters, they were, um, working for princes, you uh -huh. know, so it was, uh, I thought it was interesting to, to uh, uh, at the same time, to use their painting to rebuild, to, to invent, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, the situation mm -hmm. of my, uh, of my narrative, uh, showed through the eyes of a painter, uh -huh. you know, of a professional worker of seeing, you know, uh, and so it was interesting to show that, of course, I mean, the, 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 uh, how the, 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 la, la politique culturelle, I mean, the, of, of this time, the, 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 the politics, uh, the cultural politics mm -hmm. at that time 
would have been modified, but not that much. Uh-huh. You know, they would sell themselves to the to the acting princes. You know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. and because Titian, um, he was really uh, the official painter uh-huh. for Charles V. You yeah, know, so yeah. I was. It was funny to to watch what, what he did and uh, and to imagine what he would have done for for Tower yeah. Paris. It was a yeah. It was a, because also I mean <laughs> we had tons of. of archives uh, from the 16th mm-hmm. century but we don't have uh, photos of course so sure. of course this all those paintings they were precious material mm-hmm. for me you know and so I was really uh, for the clothes the clothes the everything you know so it was really uh, it was very precious and then yeah I mean uh, precious for um, uh, uh, in d- different uh, in different ways, you yeah, know. So yeah, I, yeah. I wanted to use them to use them the most I could. Also, it's also funny to imagine Michelangelo working for <laughs> some Incas, you know, and uh, to uh, because yeah, yeah. I mean, it's also like you you could imagine the the the, the all the artwork of Michelangelo <laughs> stimulated by. Uh, uh, such an exotic model, you yeah, know. So. The different iconography. Yeah, and, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're almost out of time. But the last thing I'd like to to ask is, um, you mentioned earlier that the sort of the the end point uh, is sort of we're. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but you've mentioned like Cervantes, and we're, so so we're we're still in the kind of the the what the the sixteenth century. 16th, 17th century, 17th. No, no, well, the, the end should, uh, uh, the end of the book is uh, uh, around uh, the Battle of Lepante, Lepante, okay. which means uh, 1571. Okay. 1572, uh, it's ending the, yeah, at that time. But there are a couple of moments in the book where you say, for example, which you can still see today in, you know, this church or something like that. And so even though you don't take us as readers up to 21st century uh, the um, fifth quarter uh, Inca Europe. Did you sort of imagine how society might be a little bit to yourself in our sort of contemporary time? What the kind of Laurent Binet in this counterfactual universe yeah, might sure. have been doing? Well, how he might have been living? Yeah, sure. But it's 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 more like um, une rêverie, you know. Like I mean, yeah, it's like. <laughs> You can think about it, but if uh, the the um, the the, um, the arborescence, oh, yeah, the kind of the the, 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 the tree the of tree. history would have too many branches mm-hmm. to imagine. You know, like yeah. uh, I could follow like f- for few years, maybe forty, fifty years, but then. Uh, but then, I mean, because at every step you could go this way or this uh-huh. way, and and then there are millions of possibilities, uh-huh. you know. Uh, so I can think about it, but with no with no <laughs> single idea, you know. <laughs> maybe well, may, we should speak Quechua uh, now, uh, uh-huh. not English. I, I could imagine, <laughs> you know, Quechua would have been the lingua franca mm-hmm. of the world, you know. And, uh, well, as soon as things like stop, press stop on the podcast, we will switch to uh, Quechua for the rest of our conversation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> well, as I say, that is all we've got time for. Civilizations, absolutely extraordinary book. A great deal of fun, but also really thought-provoking. Um, 
like all of the books on this podcast, it's available from the Shakespeare and Company online store. Uh, so the link to which you can find in the show notes to this episode. Otherwise, all that remains for me to say is Laurent Binet, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. You have been listening to the Shakespeare and Company podcast with me, Adam Biles. Links to the books discussed in this episode are available in the show notes, alongside information about how to become a friend of Shakespeare and Company. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please consider rating it wherever you listen. The intro and outro music is Mr. Ginger by the brilliant Alex Fryman, available on his album Play It Gentle. We'll be back next week. Until then, take care, stay safe, and thanks again for listening. Thank you.